Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Hi, I Think You're Nice, the podcast where I speak to a nice person about nice things for about an hour. And my name is Sarah Hanshar, and today's episode is with my friend Michael Ichow and his work at Riot Games, specifically the work he does, story writing and character building um, with with Riot Games and other work that he's done. Trust me, he's had a very versatile and exciting career of storytelling and writing, which uh, blew my mind, quite frankly. There are so many things I didn't even consider the possibilities that there would need to be writers and stories and world building. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. It's very, very interesting. And if you're like me, you're like, whoa, or maybe you are a gamer slash writer slash all those things. And you're like, yeah, I know already. But listen anyway, because Yi Chao is a good friend and a compelling uh, interviewee. Ahaha. Well, welcome back to season two. We're in season two, right? And I am thrilled to say that we are blazing a trail compared to season one. I am so grateful for all of my listeners. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for rating and reviewing. Because honestly, that's how uh, this works pretty much. Uh, You tell two friends and they tell two friends and they tell two friends. And then I get more listeners and I get to offer um, a little happy corner of the universe, which is my ultimate goal. I, I love I love doing this and I love sharing it with you. And I think the folks I have on are super interesting, intelligent, smarty pants, funny folk. Yep, that's on my business card. Uh, I had a very dear friend, uh, Flanny, tell me something very sweet. You know, she was, she told me that she was listening to politics and, you know, crime stuff and all these things. And although it's very important and interesting stuff and you got to keep on top of everything, totally, 100%. She's like, I just couldn't take it anymore. So I put on your podcast and it was just so nice. It was such a pleasant way to spend an hour. And that is literally the highest compliment I could ever be paid. So thank you, Flanny, for telling me that because that's all I want to do is just offer a smidgen of goodness just for a little bit, just for a little bit. I'm not saying tune out. I'm not saying uh, put your fingers in your ears and go la la la. I'm just saying, hey, let's just be chill for like an hour once a week. And don't forget that I'm on Instagram and Facebook as I Think You're Nice. And it turns out uh, a few people have been talking to me via Twitter, which I haven't checked since June. So I apologize to your listeners for getting in touch with me that way. I am going to make a valiant effort to get on Twitter. Okay, I'm being brave. We're doing things that are making us brave. So you can find me on Twitter at I Think You're Nice. What a surprise! Everything is I Think You're Nice. Bop, bop. Also, if you're interested in supporting this podcast, I am always very thrilled to accept new patrons. Head on over to patreon.com slash I Think You're Nice, or just go to patreon.com and put in my name, Sarah Hanshar, and you'll find the podcast there. And for just $2 a month, that could really help me out and keep this podcast rockin' rollin' and rockin' and rollin'. Sometimes I think I sound like a million-year-old lady, and you know what? That's okay with me. So, yeah, excellent. We got everything. We've got the whole kit and caboodle. Let's jump right into this episode with Michael Ichow as he tells us all about the work he does at Riot Games and what it is to be a story writer for video games in general. Awesome? Sound good? I think it sounds great. Thank you, my dear friends. Enjoy this episode and have fun! Hi, 
I think you're nice, why hi? I think you're nice, let's have a seat and let's have a nice time. I think you're nice. So let's chat, so let's chat, so let's chat. I think you're nice, so let's chat. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Hi, I Think You're Nice. I am Sarah Hanshar. I know my name. And this is a podcast where I speak to a nice person about nice things for about an hour. And today, my guest is Michael Echow. It's me. Hi. Hello. Uh, yes. So, hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm great. <laughs> I realized I was really leaning into the microphone. Oh. Um, so, Echow is here today, and we're going to talk about storytelling and the work that you do with Riot Games. Yeah, sure. That okay. sounds fun. <laughs> Is that okay with you? Yeah, that sounds really great. Okay, Love fabulous. To talk about it. Um, so you've worked in video, the video game world before. Uh, for a little bit, yeah. Um, so before Riot, I worked at a company called ArenaNet, and they made a game called Guild Wars 2, which was a lot of fun. Guild Wars 2. World shit. Say Guild again. Wars 2. Guild Wars 2. Yeah. My husband loved that game. It's a fun game. Yeah. Uh, with a big, expansive world and story. And then uh, before that, I worked uh, on tabletop games. So I worked on a game called Magic the Gathering and a little bit of Dungeons & Dragons at Wizards of the Coast. That's... I think a really great resume. Um, I know my fellow nerds are like, what? <laughs> like my old high school crush. He tried to get me into Magic the Gathering in high school. Could not get there, my friend. I That's fair. It's yeah. a pretty complicated little game. However, I was envious of those. I'm like, that looks really fun. And everyone's really into it, including my crush. But I, just... <laughs> I wasn't there yet. It's fair. But That's fair. That's so cool. Yeah. And before Magic uh, and working in games, I uh, did some work. Uh, I wrote for a Chinese sitcom, which was pretty fun. And then I did some work. An Italian sitcom? A Chinese sitcom. Oh, An Chinese. Italian sitcom would be even more <laughs> impressive, given I don't speak Italian. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I also worked uh, on a theme park. So I did some work for Disney Imagineering and uh, other theme parks and stuff like that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But I started as a playwright and a theater nerd, uh, and it kind of gotten to write for all these kind of weird and wacky things and now I write for video games. That's outstanding. Yeah. I had no idea that you were Imagineering. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, I did some contract work for Disneyland Shanghai. So Aha, uh -huh, yeah. cool. Yeah, it was a really great opportunity. So I uh, went to school at CalArts uh, and they have a pretty good, strong connection with Disney. The school was founded by uh, uh, Disney to like kind of create this pool of talent. Uh -huh. uh, and so uh, there was an internship with Imagineering. I uh, got to take it, and that was a lot of fun. And I was at CalArts as an actor, but I did a lot of playwriting as well. And so I participated as a writer, and from that I got some smaller jobs, and then I got to do a couple bigger contract things for them, including uh, writing some scripts and things like that. So That's so cool. Yeah, awesome. Are you allowed to talk about what you did at uh, Disney Shanghai? Or yeah. Shanghai Disney? So the show that I wrote uh, that is now playing there is the Frozen Sing-Along uh, <gasps> show. Yes. Uh, so I wrote a, a version of that script. Um, and, uh, and then before that, I wrote a 
another in-park uh, show that ended up uh, not getting uh, brought to full fruition for, uh, that for reasons. Basically, uh, the long and short of it was uh, it was a really exciting show. It was an original story that involved Disney characters as well. And then ultimately, uh, that show was for a, uh, it was slated for a cast of like 20-something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Disneyland Shanghai got delayed a bit. And they're like, we're going to change it to a cast of eight. And, oh, that's different. And I was like, that's that's a different thing. And that became, uh, and that's like I got filled with the sing-along show. So, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And were these shows in English or Mandarin? Or? Uh, they were in Mandarin. So okay. it was written in English first, then eventually got translated into Mandarin, and then uh, also did a, uh, the part of the process was doing a back translation into English for a literal translation so that the American director would have exactly what the Chinese actors were saying literally. Oh. And so it's this whole wacky, crazy process. And then what was the name of your Chinese sitcom? Uh, it was called Ai Te Luoshanji, and so it was basically at LA. So the premise for the show was it was kind of friends esque. It was about mm-hmm. uh, five uh, young people in their twenties who uh, lived in the U.S. Uh, some were like, "Hey, we just moved here from China." Some people had like grown up here, or was born here, but it's like Chinese Americans or even just like Chinese folks who lived in America and the drama around it. The pilot episode, the main character had followed his girlfriend to the U.S. She had come here for school, and he. He's like, uh, and she had dumped him before she did. And oh, she's like, no. sorry, I'm moving to America for school. I don't think this is going to work out long term. They had been dating forever. And so he follows her over here and he finds her and he's like, I love you. Will you take me back? I'm here for you. And she's like, no. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. But like, you know, you, yeah. you're kind of stuck in the same place and I want to grow and become a new and bigger person and better person. And, you know, I'm sorry. And so then the first season is him like trying to like, you know, make him like grow and be a better person by staying in the U.S. and figuring out what he wants to do with his life. Okay. And so, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It sounds really cool. Is it something we can watch somewhere? Uh, so that one, uh, we had written the whole first season and... Uh, we had, you know, a producer who was excited to film it. And then as things happened mm. in the TV film land, we went on hiatus. Oh, and no. And a series of uh, events later, it's technically still just on hiatus. <laughs> now, like, eight years later. So it could come back at any moment, any Sarah. Minute, once, once the producers work out their thing... <laughs> I'm sure they're still thinking about it every day. Every day. They're hemming and hawing. They're wringing their hands. They're going to get the for money it. together. Yeah. Yep. The actors are waiting in trailers. Yep. So the thing that was super <laughs> crazy about that whole... like, So first of all, it was an amazing experience to write the show. But it was uh, also a thing where like, as we were wrapping up writing... The showrunner was like, you know, Ichao, I don't want to put this on you, and I, I I know you're here as a writer, but I know you're also an actor, and I think you'd be really good for one of these characters, and I don't want to, like, you know, but if you're interested in, you know, auditioning, we'd, you know, I'd love to see you for the part. And uh, inside, I'm like, my plan worked! <laughs> this character is, like, everything I want to play on a show. And so, like, at the end of the first, like, run of the season, I'm like, I've just written, you know, for a show that has its first season done, and, like, I might get cast in this show and like the producers for the show had produced the then like top hits that come in China so like I'm oh, like dang. I could be on a real show and you have like a star lead right and like I was so excited I'm like I'm like this is it this is my moment of like kind of this breakthrough thing and I can yeah. leverage that to whatever like else and like at the end I'll have at least this amazing you know thing and I was so excited and then you know hiatus oh. <laughs> and you're just like <laughs> through my hand 
Oh, honey. But uh, that's that's the industry. Is like it really is. You have amazing opportunities, and then um, you know things shift and move, and you just gotta be like cool, and you move to the next one. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's I can, I can count on all of my fingers and toes of like things that. You know, we did readings for st- stage. Like, we had stuff, like, up, ready yeah. to go. And then it's like a, Neh. And it's, like, <laughs> arbitrarily so. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's it could really, be anything that makes it happen. It could be anything that makes it happen or not happen. So, yeah. yeah so it's, uh, clearly, you take your skills very, and they're very versatile. Um, and here we are yeah. at Riot Games. Yeah. And what game do you work on currently? So Riot Game has one game that's out and uh, played by players. It's their first game, and it's they've run it for 10 years now. Oh, dang. We're coming up on our 10-year anniversary. The game's called League of Legends, uh, and uh-huh. it's, a, uh, it's a MOBA, a multiplayer online battle arena. Uh, so basically, five players battle five other players, and they can choose from one of 140-plus characters Holy to play crap. as. Holy and, uh, and they battle each other in this in this arena. And so uh, my job as a narrative writer is, part of it is I, I work on League of Legends, and so I help come up with new characters that we are constantly adding, because you know that's part of what makes the game fun, is there's always something new. Yeah. Uh, and also uh, working on building the world out, so like uh, all of the worlds exist in a fantastical setting that we're uh, kind of establishing more of. Uh, we just recently are releasing a book that tells you all about this fantastical world we're building up. And I also work on some R&D projects. So I help out with some of our exploratory things that might be games that we hopefully will uh, want to fully produce and, lo- and announce officially uh, when they're no longer just R&D but are a game game. So, are a game game. Yeah. R&D is research and development. That's right. Thank yeah, you. I can speak <laughs> Corporate techno. Yep, that's what that would. R and D is too just many R&D. acronyms. Yeah, but yeah. So is sure. NASA, and they're great. <laughs> so, <laughs> to be fair, I do compare a lot of things to NASA. <laughs> As I'm wearing my wearing NASA, NASA shirt. shirt. Yes, right all about space. It's it's legit. Um, <laughs> so, are you allowed to? So, I don't know. Are you allowed to talk about like what characters you've built? Because I know there's yeah. like hush hushery. Anything that I've done that's uh, public, I can talk about. So, okay, cool. So uh, the, the first champion that I really got to help with the writing on is a character called Mordekaiser, uh, and he came out a little while ago. And uh, he's actually an old character that we have did a big update on about who he is and, like, changed how he played in the game. And it was just a lot of fun. It was cool to uh, – he's, like, also this, like, death warlord, like, heavy metal, like, mm-hmm. very, like, you know, like – edgelord like I am grim and dark and all this whole thing and so it was really fun to write in that voice and and style and and tell that kind of a story and and so the storytelling that you're doing with Riot so it's character based so it's each Mm -hmm. character's story Mm oh that's fun (laughs) so you get to essentially create their entire existence like their biography like who they were what made them this way yep and cool and also what they say in the game and how they sound and like uh working with our game designer to create the fantasy of what they're doing in the game and what what their attacks uh, are are and things like that so does anybody sweep the leg (laughs) (laughs) or clothesline those are my two moves (laughs) takes note at next character first move clothesline second move sweep Sweep the the leg She seems like such a nice, cute character, but she will get you in the throat. <laughs> yeah, we got some martial artists, so, you know. 
Oh, I, I have so many questions. So you get to work with um, artists, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. So do you get to directly ask them, like, hey, they need to be shorter, bulkier, thinner, taller, uh, balder. <laughs> I don't know. Much balder. Much balder. Uh, <laughs> always balder. Everyone has a shape. Too much head. hair. <laughs> Can we cut this back? Uh, so one of the cool things about Riot, uh, the way that we develop characters is uh, a what we call the DNA process. It's pretty clever. Oh. So uh, when we say DNA, we mean uh, we're creating the DNA of the character. But what that means for us is the design the narrative, and the art. So, yeah, isn't that clever? That is clever. Yes. And a beautiful way to make It's a great metaphor. Something. So uh, from each of the those disciplines, so there's a, de- a game designer, a narrative writer, me in this case, and an artist will come together, and they're the first pod uh, to explore a new character. So we might uh, determine in the game, hey, we really want a character uh, uh, that... Uh, I'm trying to think of a recent example. Oh, we want someone who is more cute and whimsical rather than grim and dark like the character Mm -hmm. I made. And uh, we want them to really, in the game, play in the mid lane, which means things in the game. Uh, And we want them to be a mage rather than a fighter because, like, we we would like to expand our roster in that way. And then so then the three uh, folks of the DNA pod come together and start thinking about what that could be. It's like, oh, if they're a mage, maybe they're nature magic. And, And then the artist will draw something. And I'll be like, oh, that makes me think of this kind of a story for this character Ooh. and the designer's like oh if it's nature magic maybe it's vines that snare them so then like it'll uh, maybe their ability makes it so that they get c- caught they can catch it in an enemy and so then it's a, it's a very uh, collaborative and iterative process where uh, I'll write a story sketch and uh, that'll inspire the artist to make a sketch of the character which might in- inspire and inform gameplay as the gameplay designers trying out different mechanics and so like together by working in this way we uh, work through what we call our discovery phase which is usually uh, a month or two of just figuring out who this character could be and then from there we start the, as the character becomes more fleshed out we start adding more people other, other artists tech artists riggers designers engineers Years, right, and so like the team keeps growing until finally we've built a full character that goes into this game, has been tested, and is like ready to play live in this very competitive game. So that sounds like the coolest birthing process ever. <laughs> it's actually it takes us about nine months to make a new character. That's it's be my next so question. wild, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and, and it, it really is a nice thing because like when League of Legends first came out, there was a while where they would release a new character every two weeks. Oh dang! And it was just like insane, right? Just like churning it out. But like it's such a luxury to have the time to like create a character that has depth both in terms of story and in terms of gameplay and then also give our artists the time to like make beautiful work I think that like that's one of the parts that always excites me mm-hmm. is like I'm like I wrote this story about this warlord who like is a master of death and then all of a sudden there's this painting of this dude in this armor and I'm like that looks amazing I want to write like 18 more stories about this my baby yeah so like and and you know I think for me, it's it always feels like magic seeing a game designer or what an artist does, and I'm, and they're always like, oh, we could never do the story thing, and I'm like, I feel like my job's the easy part, but I feel like everyone feels that way, right? Because <laughs> you're always like amazed by the craft of the people who are experts at what they do. So yeah, that's that's really incredible. Yeah. Um, speaking just very slightly about, um, so I work with my friend Rob who works at Disney, Yay. and he does all of my art. It's so good, you guys. If I don't know if you can buy these stickers or get these stickers <laughs> or like find Sarah and beg her for a sticker, I do, so cute. I do have a new sticker campaign with even 
uh, dare I say it, even cuter <gasps> squishier ones. I've seen some of these. Yeah. They're and, so good. And they're they're so good. And I take no credit for them because my friend Rob <laughs> is the one who did them all. And But I was like, so I sent like a doodle. I'm like, I want a rainbow, but the clouds to have faces, and like they're working together and they're super jazz that they made a <laughs> rainbow. So how does, how do you, how do you make that a thing? <laughs> but he did it. And the one's like, hi, I'm making a rainbow. The other one's like, yeah, I know, right? And so, and then that's like a snail and a, and a very happy cheese, just very cute things that, um, Again, I'm just like, hey, Rob, do you th- I think this would be nice. Would you like to do this, please? And he says yes. Mm-hmm. And pay your artist, everybody. <laughs> this is just a quick, make sure you, mm-hmm. you, you commission your talented friends. Heck yeah. Um, yeah, because. It's ta- such a treat. It is such, it's, it's a, it's a skill and it's amazing. And I'm, yeah, I'm blown out of the water. And every time I see somebody create something from someone's brain. Yeah. Um, I guess they're also creating it from their brain, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, no. Cool. So, so that's that's what you do there. Um, so let's do. You want to talk about storytelling a little bit? Yeah, sure. Yeah, or do you want to talk about gaming? I, you were like <laughs> are ready for a professional panel. The way you speak about your work and how you present it, I'm like, do you, are you Mr. Riot? I'm I'm a big old nerd, and I I love talking about it. Uh, I think I'm you know I feel so lucky to get to do something that I care deeply about and love uh, for work, and uh, I love talking about it. You know, like. Uh, it's it's been a thing for me of, you know, I started as a theater major, right? And, like, I fell in love with theater and, like, telling stories on the stage and getting basically just to learn how to tell stories uh, via other means and, and, and other ways, right? Like, now it's via games and, mm-hmm. like, it's via, you know, voiceover scripts in the game, but I also get to work on things like comic scripts and, like, cinematics and, like, all these kind of things. And, uh, you know, I just, I love... Uh, talking about and thinking about stories and uh, and uh, getting to share with others like what I do, how we do it, and um, opportunities to get into that and do it as well. So, you know, you, if you if you don't stop me, I'll talk endlessly about <laughs> it. <laughs> well, I think it's just such an interesting because it's it's one of those jobs that I think kids dream about having, totally. but not everybody gets there ultimately. Mm-hmm. So, actually I dare say most people don't get there ultimately because sure. I imagine it's pretty competitive and yeah. pretty like you've got to have your chops to yeah. get to get to get to these skills. Um so it's just neat. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we've is. come a long way from Mario Brothers yeah. and um yeah, and I think what games can do and what games aspires to do, right? Like, there's a lot of talk about game design as an art form, and I think that's very, like, on point of, like, you know, whereas movies was a really kind of groundbreaking, you know, form when it, you know, they really started up and how far movies have come in terms of the types of stories it tells. I think games is the same thing, right? And, like, uh, the kinds of games that get made um, and the the scope of stories and, and like, emotions that games can evoke mm-hmm. have just uh, grown exponentially. And uh, how we think about those games has changed so much, too. And it is a thing where, like, I remember, for me, it was, like... I played video games as a kid and probably like 10 or 11 or 12 year old each I was like it'd be amazing to make magic cards someday or make a video game but no real humans do that and I'm gonna do real things and somehow I became a theater major so that didn't work out clearly and then to like get back to you know at a point where I was like not playing games actively and then to like get opportunities to write for games and then start playing games again it is very much like an unexpected uh, journey into a job that as a kid I would have loved, didn't think about for like <laughs> teen to like adult life. And then now I get to do it. And so it's, it's been really cool. 
That, that it is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to confirm the coolness. Um, the first time I was really thought about it was Monsters Inc. for mm, Pixar, mm. and I watched a special on like how they rendered Sully's fur, and like su- rendering his fur was really complicated. Um, I'm like, oh, look at all those people! What a cool environment! Razor scooters, like. <laughs> <laughs> right? And you're like, oh my gosh, people! That's a job. That's a job. And yeah, and it is very competitive, and I feel very lucky to have gotten in where I did. But it's super neat. Um, and like, what, you know, it's funny what you say about fur. So like, I also work on some cinematic scripts and things like that. And it'll, it's the thing that is amazing to me is as the writer. Uh, there, there is a thing about like, well, writing is the cheapest part. And what we mean by that is not to like undersell how important writing is, but like for me, I can be, I can write a line like, and then the character, you know, like sweeps back their fur coat and uh, continues climbing up the icy mountain as a snowstorm rages around them. And out the feedback I'll get is like, that's cool. Uh, fur coat and uh, animating that in an ice storm is like an extra $500,000. So can we like not? <laughs> that's a leather coat. <laughs> right. Or like, or you want a thunderstorm and rain and everyone's very wet. That's very hard and expensive to render and we'll add like 30% to our budget. Can we not? Right. So like, it's just like, and that's been a huge learning experience too of like when you're writing a play and also especially if you're writing a, a book right like mm-hmm. you can have all of the visual effects that you want all in the magic there. world that you write you these sweeping vistas right like all of that it's like you can put what you want but when you're writing a cinematic all of a sudden it's like um everyone's in furs why can they not can we make this a warm place to live yeah. you know like and it becomes like there's so much beyond just what you're telling uh, that factors into like how to execute it, and uh, and you know like I think one thing that really is interesting to me is how, uh, especially in America, we have this sense of the auteur, right? Like the director of a movie made the movie, mm. or like the game director made the game, or like you know one person ha- owns the creative thing for a thing. When in actuality, for the most like creative entertainment that we enjoy and consume. So many people put so much work into it and every aspect is like such a collaborative thing to get it to the point that it's like good and we're all watching it that I think like we oversell and, and you know, I think it is important. You do have a vision holder usually that like it, it, that yeah, drives you need, like, a lot a, of it. A conductor. Right. And and like and they, they deserve a lot of the credit. But I think we give so much weight to that and the idea of this like solitary genius who have like made the thing mm, when like yeah. Literally, I think for me, every game that I play now, I'm like, it's a miracle this game ship because if you know what happens to make this happen, <laughs> oh my gosh, how like they got 300 people to make one thing and it came together mostly. Wow, <laughs> it's a miracle because it is. It's amazing how much like you know like even when I'm like, oh, I'm really proud to have written a character. There was two other writers that like had started to work on that character before me for reasons and like yeah. and there's so much that's just like. No single person can really claim full credit, and uh, and that is what actually excites me about it. It's like working with others to make something better than you possibly could have dreamed up yourself. Yeah, and that's what's glorious about uh, having people help you. Um, it also, what I also find in working with others is like, wait, be more specific. Tell me why, and I'm like, oh right, okay, and so that even helps helps me like coalesce what I'm talking about. Right. So to like make you have a firmer opinion about something, yeah, or why you do or don't have an opinion about something, oh, yeah. Like oh. the fur coat maybe doesn't mean anything to you, or <laughs> or it's like no, he has to have the fur coat, right? Because it belonged to his wife. Yep. I don't know, and she <laughs> wanted it back, or she's I don't know. Right. It makes you it makes you really investigate. I think like 
a lot of creators have strong creative impulses, and by working in a team, oftentimes you have to like uh, be able to explain where that like what it is, and that makes you examine it and have a better understanding of why you have that like gut feeling that this is right and a good creative choice. Yeah. And by being able to express that to others, you strengthen your ability to identify those choices and also identify when it's like, oh, my ego is getting in the way. I just thought of the idea and I really like it because it's my idea. And there's actually <laughs> been like better ideas pitched, but I'm like, I don't know if those are good ideas. I think my idea is really, oh, hmm, oh. maybe your idea is fine and I'm just getting in my own way here Ouch, you know? my pride yeah exactly <laughs> sort of thing. yeah and, and like learning as a creator uh, as a creative person how to uh let things go but also when to fight specific things that matter because i've had projects ship where i'm like oh yeah I'm be- i think i'm being just my ego's getting in the way i'm gonna you know like yeah let's let's do the thing and afterwards i'm like oh no there were specific reasons i wanted that and like i feel like the product's a little weaker because I didn't, I, I didn't stand up and fight for the creative mm-hmm. choice that I wanted. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's so much learning in that space. Well, and I bet it's not a perfect world. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask about cinematics. Mm. Uh, does that mean is that like the the pretty part in between gameplay, or are you talking like actual movie times? Uh, so uh, for League of Legends, um, th- w- the cinematics that we primarily work on are things that like promote a new champion or a new character. So they're usually shorter oh. clips. So like uh, they might be a thirty second like teaser, or it could be like a three to five minute little like mini like short short like almost a short film that like uh, is teasing a character. Uh, and so um, yeah, it's something in that sphere. It's usually like a short little storytelling like bite. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. Right now, Riot Games uh, does not have any movie or like uh, a TV show kind of length stuff out. So. Okay. I I your your resume. I'm like, has he worked on movies? I don't know. <laughs> um, but I don't know the phrase or the word cinematics regarding oh, gameplay. Yeah. So it, again, it can mean a variety of things. Okay. But usually, it's in the shorter realm of like a couple minutes. It's it's the pretty part of the games that I like to watch. Yep. Uh, yeah, where you expand on... Is that like whenever like you open the saloon doors and, it ta- and it's a cutaway scene? Right. That, 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 that's also, part of... Yep, that's part of cinematics okay. as well. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. And, all right, so let's go through like the journey of writing uh, one of your characters. It doesn't have to be one, in specific, one specifically, but how would you go about creating one from scratch? Have you made one from scratch? Yeah. So, uh, talked about that a little bit. So we have the first phase is discovery, which was, um, I mean, for you personally, like like, like what you want to do, like with your character, like, do you get full reign or like, Hey, we really need a mage. So can you do something in this? And then you're like, I'll take it from there. Or usually, uh, we have a starting point of like something that the uh, that the game like lead leads on the game like want to explore and like or feel like a space that a creative space that we want to like kind of fill uh, and then uh, so th- we get some parameters of like what this could possibly look like mm-hmm. and then from there we have a lot of liberty to like um, to flesh things out and make strong choices uh, and uh, create within that. Um, in about a year, I can talk more in detail with specific <laughs> examples. That's a lot less vague gestures. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> uh, with a character that I'm working on right now, that's very exciting. But like, as uh, some examples is like, 
Um, you know, we get to determine uh, everything from like what part of the fantastical world that they're from, uh, like what kind of their abilities look like, right? Is it, are they using swords and it's like uh, swordsmanship or is it like, you know, magic and they're shooting rays of frost or whatever it is, cool. right? So uh, a lot of that is uh, things that we work together as a pod to determine. Um, sometimes the things we make uh, have wider impact on the fantastical world we're building. So for example, with uh, Mordekaiser, he, the story that of his, he was a like overbearing warlord, died uh, in the afterlife. He was dissatisfied with what he found, so he made his own, and now he's co- his plan is to come back to the world and like rule it with an iron fist. He's made his own uh, like underworld. Yeah, so he's like this. He's like this afterlife is bull. <laughs> And, and he just, like, through force of will and magic, like, carved out his own yeah. realm. And so, like, as part of that, we uh, made, we like, the, the part of, one thing about Riot is, like, we have so many talented people. Uh, we were like, oh, we're, you know, maybe there's this made-up language of the dead. And uh, and my, my lead was like, oh, yeah, we have a linguist you could talk to. And I'm like... One of our editors has like, uh, you know, was getting his PhD in like linguistics and was like, oh yeah, let me make up a like linguistically like sound language for this that we ended up not even using very much of. <laughs> what? Yeah. So but the like, whole language is there. Yeah. So like he, well, he, we didn't build the whole language, but like we built out some like, so he's like, well, given the like regions that this character was from when he was alive, these kind of phonemes and sounds would be more prevalent because like of the environment he was in probably. And if we do that, and uh, we don't want to be too derivative of any real world place. So if we combine these in this way, here's some like, you know, Achnun uh, is the name of the language, words that like, he, that might be real and also sentences based off of words that we create. Uh, and it was this whole thing, right? Oh so like we fleshed out this like language of the dead. We also like really crafted his timeline of like the things that he would have impacted in the world and how people might have known of him and the rumors of him in present day because he existed thousands of years ago, right? So like, it was also a lot of world building, not just creating the character. So yeah, it was super fun and exciting. So League of Legends is kind of a unique game in that uh, you know players play as these characters, and in the game there's they have four abilities and they're battling. Uh, and as a writer, what's uh, and, and as as you play the game, uh, characters will have certain lines that they say when they do certain actions, uh, but also like they'll have little lines that hint at their backstory and things oh. like that. So like for example, as you're running to a certain place, uh, you know a character who's from the void realm that is like all super alien and weird might be like trees. I haven't seen trees in a while. Right? Like something that gives you a little taste of like, ooh, there's a deeper story there that I'm, I'm intrigued by. Um, so our in-game expression is very limited and like it's like you learn about a character via these like two to three second sound bites of them saying something or like expressing something as they're attacking, right? Like so Mordekaiser might have a line that where he just goes, perish, you know? like, uh, <laughs> But he also, you know, like when he's walking somewhere, he's like... You know, like, um, you know, I don't have much trouble remember exact lines, but he'll be like, uh, in the realm of the dead, the sky is full of gray and somber sand and everything is gloomy and death and blah, blah, blah. Right, so, like, sets the tone it's for beautiful. the character. <laughs> um, so, uh, as a writer, uh, what's really fun is, like, understanding their core motivations and then uh, building out expressions of that 
to reflect it. Okay. So like writing a VO script, understanding like what a character is all about, and then creating like things that he talks about that gives character that gives a player little insights and hints that like make them feel like this, uh, you know, character. Like you know, I want the lines to make you feel like I'm a powerful, you know, death warlord like necromancer. And uh, who doesn't want to feel that way? <laughs> it's pretty empowering. <laughs> <laughs> Every day I wake up like, this is the day I'm going to be the Death Lord Necromancer. That's right. I will conquer my realm. <laughs> I will. And my realm today is laundry or whatever. <laughs> this laundry of doom. <laughs> Finding out what a character is really about and letting it really try to resonate in every every way that the char- the player experiences it. That's... So. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Because I've often been like, because you, you'll post on Facebook, like, wrote a new character, da 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 And I'm like, that's amazing! I wonder what, like, specifically is happening, though, <laughs> like, in real time. Um, yeah. and, and now I know. So, well, you wanted to share something exciting that you'd been working on. Oh, yeah. Want to so, talk about it? I think for me, one of the things about being a narrative writer at Riot versus any other game company that's super exciting is... Beyond just writing things for the game, I've gotten opportunities to write other kinds of stuff. So, like, recently uh, I was in Manchester and then in Shanghai. England? Yeah. So, uh, traveling for work. I'm naming countries. You are. <laughs> I'm good. See, I know two towns and two countries. Nailed it. Continue. Nailed it. So, you're going, you're traveling a lot. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, and what I was traveling for is, um, so, uh, League of Legends ha- is a game that's also played professionally. Uh and oh. so there's an esports league. So there's players who are paid full time salaries who play competitively. Like there's a you know like there's the NBA. We have leagues in, from all over the world where players play competitively on teams uh, and and compete for world our like World Cup is our biggest event. Each region has their finals. So like the big competition where all the teams are competing in this case for a slot to go to Worlds. And uh, recently China's league had their finals where their teams were kind of had this big event uh so this event uh was at the mercedes-benz stadium which seats seventeen thousand people holy crap it was pretty sold out uh and uh for over the course of three days these teams came to compete for the final slots to qualify for worlds the thing that i was working on that was super fun and like again as a game as a game writer i was like whoa this is something that's just a little bit stretching out of that but also as a writer got to use a lot of the skills that i have so in our game uh we have our characters right mm-hmm. but we also have what are known as skins and basically they're like different, different looks like yeah different looks and outfits so for yeah. example our pirate character she can also dress up as like a sailor moon-esque look oh, and nice. there's a whole story about that ba- of backstory of like Oh, in an alternate universe, she's actually this magical girl, mm-hmm. right? So one of the skins that we have is a, a K-pop girl group called KDA. Excellent. Uh, and so, like, four of our characters, one's a... In, in the game, there's... One's, like, a demon. One's, like, a, a, a lady from, like, the Void universe who has these crazy powers. Uh, one's a ninja. And uh, one is a fox spirit. But in the alternate universe, they're the K-pop group KDA. And they have these, like, they, like these K-pop cute outfits. And they do this oh. whole da- dance. They had a song that debuted that was, like, crazy popular around the world. The song itself was, like top of iTunes charts for K-pop in, like, multiple regions. Like, our music team is insane. So, like, the song... We dropped the song, and, like, people were insane about it. So, anyway, (laughs) 
that's additional context. Super jazz. A lot of context setting. Can't so wait to add that. That's, yeah. That'll be at the end of the episode. You, we'll, we will play we'll put it. a link and we'll, we'll play the song. <laughs> well, maybe the song could be our outro or something. Yes. Fun. Uh, so KDA is a big thing. And one of the characters, the ninja, Akali. Uh, so KDA was a big thing. Uh, the thing I was working on was... KDA Akali, so this K-pop rap artist, okay. the the fantasy that we were saying is for basically the equivalent of like, you know, how uh, Super Bowl has a halftime show mm-hmm. and there's a musical guest. Well, for our event in China, the surprise music guest was KDA Akali. And so she showed up and uh, she performed this like remix rap from her, from, from the hit single uh, Pop Stars. <laughs> and uh, she had this whole big dance number that she did as well. And after all of that, she also had an interview with the host. And the way we did that was uh, via augmented reality. Yes. So. AG. Yeah. So uh, the character uh, wasn't perf- was like uh, performed by an actor. So like, what happened was during the dance part there was live backup dancers, and as they were dancing, uh, a smoke bomb appears, and then a-, a Kali appears, and she has this whole dance number with them, and it was live uh, mapped on top of the dancers. So if you were live in the stadium, you saw the live dancers, but on the screens you could see uh, a Kali dancing with them, yeah. and like, uh, and so like our animators also made the uh, match the live lighting, so everything was like on this model. It, sh- it looked like she was present in the stadium, Whoa. but she was just a digital projection. Yeah. And then for the interview, uh, we had a. Uh, actor who is a mocap and voice actor in a separate room and uh and our host of the event she interviewed this digital character who again live you you didn't see anyone next to her but on the screen they had a live conversation and if you've ever seen mocap for video games this is whole like there's like this big rig with the camera and that like captures all your small face movements and the dots little dots over your face too that like map so like the this character, our actor was giving a live performance, and her like emotions and yeah. like expressions and her body was being captured and live uh, created into this digital character that was presented, and so all of that was super cool. And I got to be the narrative uh, lead on it, and basically I helped write the interview and also worked with the actor. Uh, and what was super fun is like not only crafting the story of this. K-pop star showing up and having this moment and like you know creating the story and helping like flesh out what she was going to say with a lot of input from all of our teams who are very invested in like really making clear who this character is but um you know also uh as part of it you know working with the actor directly so i got to you know get back to some of my theater roots and help that actor you know give a strong performance uh there was some improv elements to it as well because it was an off-the-cuff interview so like helping to train her in that and so you know as you know we met via improv yes we did uh you know or did we well we'll we'll get to that in a moment moment. so yeah uh the long and short of it is it was just really cool to work on like this wild and crazy like halftime show at an esports event in China telling the, uh, like writing story content for an interview and like and a dance beat that was like so outside the realm of what I thought I would be doing when I majored in theater as a kid sure. you know and it's just but it's it is theater it is storytelling and it's yeah. live performance all wraps around a lot of tech and like and and stuff so it was just like such a cool experience uh, and also like it's fun to work at a company where we get to do crazy story, experimental storytelling like that. I, I mean, uh, my face is just like, what? The whole time, <laughs> because I uh, know a little bit about like digital puppeteering and motion capture stuff. Um, but like, that's hard. 
and the tech that needs to happen behind it is it's it's nut burgers. It, it was like it blew my mind. I so, can't believe you did that live. Yeah. In the, front of what did you say, seventeen thousand or yeah. so? The the live motion capture part of it, like I was blown away because we had a whole like team, uh, tech team that was like face motion capture. That's yeah. what they were there to do. They like helped make sure that the face rig worked and like and capture her expressions well. Then we had a body mocap specialist team that was like all about capturing her body performance. Then we had a team that was about like uh, mapping that live performance into the live stadium and like matching all of the lighting and like so there was like probably 20 or 30 people working on this one moment, right? And I was just there, I'm like, I'm here to help with story. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, you're, like, spending 18 hours of your, like, 24 hours rigging, (laughs) making sure the rig works and making small adjustments so her jacket, like, moves in the correct way. And I'm telling you, that jacket is good. You know, like, like, not really. But, like, you know, like, it was just really exciting to work with such technical experts in their field uh, in creating, and how much work goes into, again, creating, like, a, a total of maybe like five minutes yeah. in, in a show, right? So yeah, it was wild. That that is nut burgers. <laughs> um, but to speak to your point, like I so often like these big explosive like crazy big movies, like the tech is amazing and da da da. Then dialogue happens, <laughs> and I'm like, mm, that's not what people say. That's not how people talk. Or it's just like lazy, or or just like we're so busy on jokes that we're not doing anything character based, or like yada yada. So I, even though it, it technically I can see why, like, you're like, oh my god, you did this for twenty hours. While you can have a more intimate and like quick conversation with your actor. But I wouldn't downplay the importance of it is basically what I'm saying <laughs> because I it is essential and very yeah. key. And I feel super excited to be at a company that's like, yeah, on this project we value having yeah. a narrative person on it. And we value ha- sending you to the venue to like work live with the actor. Uh, and we value the like quality of our storytelling in this very technical moment. And like, because for me, I'm just like, I don't want to eat up any time because like, I know you have so much like, yeah, like w- it's so much work to get this rig to work right, and it's so much like technical work. But like the fact that they it, they value storytelling to that degree and gave me time and rehearsal time and time to work with the tech in this way, I'm like, that's really cool. Riot's a company that values story and. Again, its game is like five on five battling. I'm, when well, honestly, when somebody's like, "Would you be interested in working at Riot?" I was like, "You guys tell stories. <laughs> like, how many writers do you need for that?" Like, I don't know. I don't, huh? And but yeah, the the depth of like what they're exploring is really cool. Going back to uh, the gaming world, uh, what are your favorite components in gaming storytelling that may not exist in other types of storytelling, Ooh. or or do such things exist? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think some of the things that uh, excite me about telling stories via games versus like film or live theater even is the interactive component. And like, and it's a big part of the challenge. So for example, uh, at ArenaNet, where uh, the game that I worked on was called Guild Wars 2, in that game, players play as a character and they're like a main character of the big story of the world. Like their character ultimately becomes the commander of these, like this unified army and like there's huge campaigns that they do. Uh, and the really hard part is, uh, at one of the challenges that ArenaNet uh, writing was, was like, how do you craft a story that places your player at the center of it 
but still give that player like a character mm-hmm. when the, when so much of that character is what the player chooses. Like they can choose the race they want to be, like whatever fantastical race they want to play as. They they create their own image of like who this character is. Like in their mind, are they like really gruff or are they like a big tough fighter or are they like a very like intel intellectual mage, right? Like mm-hmm. so the char- the player has so much like of what they want to and we want to give them the ability to put themselves in the character, but. In that in that game, all of our characters talk with the other characters that they encounter, and they have dialogue. Oh. So, how do you write dialogue that is like impactful, meaningful, revealing of character and emotions that a player won't go, "I wouldn't react that way. I wouldn't mm. say it like that," right? And so, yeah. like, and how do you how do you accommodate that without it just being generic, generic response, right? <laughs> um, and there, and and you know, I think. You can never satisfy everyone sure. in that kind of a challenge. Right? What? You can't satisfy everyone. <laughs> everyone doesn't have the same taste as you. What? I don't understand. <laughs> uh, I don't know why we were old timey. <laughs> because that's how we go. I don't know. <laughs> old timey people doubted everything while smoking cigars. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Huskadoons and Huskadoons. <laughs> it's just MST3K quoting now. Oh, Sorry. So you're yeah. making dialogue that's not too generic nor too specific. Yeah. So it's a challenge to. Uh, create space for your player and like tell a story where they're the hero, but also give them like specific emotional reactions. I think that's the other thing I, uh, that I love about uh, the challenge of writing for games is like um, you're not just like you you don't get to control as uh, exactingly depending on the style of game you play how your the player experiences your story right like the, the my favorite example of this is in games like MMOs or like you know like World of Warcraft that okay. style of game Guild Wars 2 uh, you know like you can you you might want to create a really somber moment like there's a story right like maybe like the main character has discovered a thing and they're talking to someone and it's like very serious but as you're having the serious conversation especially in World of Warcraft there's probably like 80 other players, and they might be, like, just jumping around in the background. Someone might be dancing on a mailbox, right? Like, it's just, like, <laughs> and you're, like, all right, um, this is the just environment. Just ignore that part. Right, and like, and be this real really here. somber voice acting. <laughs> and so, like, uh, you know, that's just something to understand as, like, part of the challenge. But also, like, uh, how do you craft... For me, it's also the thing of, like, in games, players get to make choices as the characters, and how do you make those choices feel resonant uh, and impactful? Uh, and how do you tell stories that take advantage of that medium? Right? Like, I think um, you know, if you look back through, uh, you know, from radio to TV, from TV to film, you know, like uh, each medium has very specific things that they do uniquely and well that is really hard to replicate in another. Right? Like theater that tries to be a movie doesn't work as well because there's some magic of like Spider-Man turn off the night (laughs) right where it's just all trying to capture the special effects of movies you lose the magic because movies do that well theater does not whereas what theater does well is the ability to you know have abstractions of space and like characters that move in and out of time right like so like each medium has things that they uniquely can do incredibly well and what's fun for me is like getting to write from games coming from writing from other things is like what does this medium do super well, and how can we really leverage that to tell interesting stories that we haven't d- told in this way before? Yeah. So I haven't thought about how you can only write to a certain point, and then ultimately it's in somebody else's hands, like literally in somebody else's the hands playing the game and being the character and doing the things. So you can only you can only make it grow up, and then it's <laughs> off to college, and then <laughs> and then you have to just sort of 
not have to, but you get to see what happens after that, yeah. which is interesting with the medium. I guess you could say that with like with writing or, or play or whatever, like it ultimately goes into somebody else's brain and then yeah. uh, embodies it. Um, but I don't know. In a play, you still kind of have to say all the script, like the lines. You can yeah. change blocking and what have, what have you, but you, like you don't get to. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah. and I think change. you know, whereas plays, uh, unless you're doing talking about an exp- like more interesting like interactive theater thing, like mm-hmm. Sleep No More style, or you know, where uh, in those kind of shows, an audience member moves through a space and like interacts with you know possibly That's talks the, to actors. The Macbeth. Yeah, the one Macbeth one in, in New York. York. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That sounded incredible. I never got the opportunity. Right, and there's also a company called uh, Speakeasy Society in LA that does shows like that where they do they like they did an immersive Christmas Carol where you could like follow the story of Scrooge, but you could also wander into another part of the building and like we'll see what the spirit of Christmas past did before he went to visit Scrooge, and like so there's so there's theater that does that where the, the the audience is more participant but i think games specifically the audience is a participant mm-hmm. and they're actively involved in the story and how that changes how you want to tell that story is a really interesting thing huh yeah i noticed when patrick was playing badlands is that the one with the mm-hmm. horse or, uh, <laughs> red it? dead redemption red too? dead redemption good job i say the one with the, the horse <laughs> you got it <laughs> you got it it's the one with the horse I realized as I was watching it, him play it, he was making more moral choices than when he was playing it alone. Because he's played a million of these. He knows what the deal is. Like, that guy, if he lets him go, he's going to squeal on you and then blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, no, let him go. <laughs> and so, it, yeah, I could tell how the game was different with my <laughs> influence of whining versus <laughs> him just playing it how he would normally play it. And... Because I asked him, like, I'm like, is this going differently than usual? <laughs> it was. Yeah. Less murder. Less. Yeah. There was. Well, ultimately, no, because then that guy squealed on him and he threw him off a cliff or whatever. So I don't know. It's hard when you're making a cowboy game. <laughs> There's a lot of shooting people. There is. I, I mostly am like, pet the dog. Pet, pet the horse. Can you talk to the horse more? And you, There's only so much you can talk to the horse, apparently. Are you familiar? with? There's a Twitter handle called Can You Pet the Dog? <gasps> And it, it basically, it's, uh, it just says, in this game, you can or cannot pet the dog. And it just kind of catalogs, <laughs> and it's adorable and hilarious. So, hey, uh, so, okay, what are your, so, we don't have to talk about gaming in this aspect, but what are your favorite aspects of storytelling in general? Hmm, that's a good question. Thank you for saying these are good questions. That makes me feel better about the questions <laughs> I'm asking. <laughs> They're great. I think, like, for me, what excites me about telling stories is, you know, it's a it's a primal thing we've done for a really long time as a species, right? And so much of everything we do is a form of storytelling, right? Like, creating the narrative of who we are and understanding what we care about. And, like, um, you know, politics is all storytelling. It's how you frame the narrative of, like, what you want to get accomplished, Um when we talk about things like career and like, you know, you know, a person's like life trajectory, it's all like telling the narrative of this sequence of actions and hmm. sequence of jobs that has like formed the story of a career that they were doing, right? I think storytelling so permeates human nature mm. of how we under it's it's how we digest, comprehend, and then return the world. Right? Like okay. of like 
we see and we experience and then storytelling is us sharing that experience. And I think for me, there's a lot of joy in the opportunity to share. And uh, that's it's a, it's a way to connect, a way to feel like you, you're able to hopefully positively inspire, impact, uh, and reach out to people uh, on a wider scale. And, uh, you know, getting to be a storyteller or trying to do that and to put more positive stories or stories that feature different people that might not have had voices yeah. in storytelling spaces, um, all is super exciting. And I think for me as a, a storyteller in games, that opportunity to like, yes, you know, sometimes I'm like, well, you know, what, what is the purpose of what I'm doing? There's doctors and people who are like making an impact in people's lives. But, you know, then it's the remembering that it's a privilege to be like the stories that I tell and the kinds of characters that I help place into our fantastical world can give somebody somewhere a moment of oh that's me and uh you know has the power to inspire and uplift or even just entertain and make laugh uh somebody and brighten someone's day and you know that's that is an incredible privilege right so it is and um i i think you know comparison is the thief of joy is that a quote maybe um but i i I think we've all felt that way especially if like our jobs are weird like (laughs) you know doing improv and podcasts like there like you said there are doctors and lawyers representing and fighting the good fight and doing these things and i'm like i just want to make something nice for an hour um and luckily i've had very kind people in my life that have supported me and they're like no that's good we need just a smidgen of that so uh i don't know if you have a hard time unwinding or relaxing but i imagine the people who play the game are super into it for a lot of different reasons but sometimes it's nice just to chill oh my god just (laughs) let me chill for half an hour just let me turn off my brain just relax and have a good time. Yeah. Like that is, um, that is like genuinely self care. Not not to call everything that's like fun self care, but like it is nice to take care of yourself. Yeah. So, I think what you're doing is great. Oh, thanks. And I bet uh, oodles of folks think what you're doing is great too. <laughs> I'm not a gamer, so I'm just gonna believe you. I am, however, <laughs> gonna look up that. Uh, I imagine it's on YouTube. Right? Yeah, I could yeah. show it to you right now. <gasps> it's it's a cool little music video. I want to see it. Uh, it's a good song. I genuinely like because I I know knew it was coming up and I had read about it. I was like, oh neat. And then when we released the song, I'm like, oh, this is a good song. This is a. This, I. It's yes. a banger. <laughs> It's a banger. You had like a real smug. I'm, I'm real cool and I say words. I was going to say you had a, a Matthew McConaughey-ness about your, it's a banger. Like, you know what I mean, lady? Yeah, yeah. That was a good Matthew McConaughey. I'm impressed. Well, it's all in the neck, apparently. Secret to Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, just a lot of, maybe that's, I don't know what that is. It's really have you, good. Have you seen the Matthew McConaughey car commercials that he did? The that, really intense ones? Yeah. With the, like, like Lincoln he's just, cars? He's just driving and uh, talking to no one in particular. <laughs> and it's real serious. And it's a little poetry if it made any sense. But poetry doesn't make sense. I'm Matthew McConaughey. This is a Lincoln. Yeah. And it was, they, were, they were great. They, it's, uh, were they? Because <laughs> they were... 
I don't understand advertising. That's obvious. Um, <laughs> I don't understand obvious or um, obviously I don't understand advertising. But I'm like, did that? Who did that speak to? Do you think? I feel like <laughs> when I watch that ad, I'm like, they were targeting this kind of a thing, and what they ended up was over here. <laughs> but the end result was people talked a lot about it. So when? Hey. You know, sometimes in advertising, you're like. Want And usually it's not great if you miss your target. But, like, in that case, I'm like, these ads were very effective. Because yeah. now I'm looking for all the Matthew McConaughey and Lincoln ads. <laughs> and I'm thinking of both. So it's a plus to both of their brands. Good job. Oh, good job, Double M. You're doing it. <laughs> um, uh, well, so pro- would you... This oh, podcast contains uh, 300% more Matthew McConaughey than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an Easter egg in every one of my episodes. <laughs> it's McConaughey. It's Matthew McConaughey. Oh, he's he's always there. We're we're merging towards the end of our time together. I mean, in this particular realm. <laughs> Ever. Ever. Did you not know this was the last time we're going to hang out? <laughs> oh, excellent. Goodbye forever. Um, but goodbye forever. Nothing personal. So I was going to ask you about any recommendations in people for people <laughs> who are going into the gaming career. But yours is... A meandering yeah. fun noodle path. It is a noodle path. Um, and I think, like, that's been my experience in terms of game writing. Um, people I've met have come from all kinds of different backgrounds. Uh, like, at Riot, um, one of the writers wrote on uh, uh, The Walking Dead. Uh, Dope! Another one of our writers was one of the writers on Avatar The Last Airbender. <gasps> I know. I, I, I try not to fanboy every time I see him. And, uh, Riot has some amazing talented folks, and they come from all kinds of backgrounds. Another one of our writers had, like, published 30 books or something crazy. Dang. It's a New York Times bestseller, right? And Dang. I, I'm just like, I'm here, too. This is cool. Wow. I like improv and stories. What? I tell stories, too. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm a playwright. That you know, like actually, playwriting are, is a yeah. very interesting and kind of like less common. Like usually, like TV and film is a lot. A lot, a lot of folks get gobbled up from into games from that. Uh, but yeah, there's fewer playwrights. Uh, but there's a lot of theater nerds because people who end up in film. You know, a lot of us start get started in theater. Um, and uh, yeah, it's so my path is very uh, meandering and noodly. But I think like for anyone who's trying to break into games, like I really want to make games and I'd love to tell story for games. Uh, you know, very honestly, it's tough. It's tough to break in. Uh, you know, everyone. It's a very competitive field. Sure. A lot of times, when the big studios that you probably think of off the top of your head, making the games that you love, like like the Red Dead Redemptions, mm-hmm. right? It's a very small team of writers, and it's like very senior roles that get hired. Right? They're looking oh, okay. for senior narrative writers with like five years experience. Right? Like a lot of jobs when I was starting out was like must have shipped two two AAA games, basically like two big budget huge games, and I'm like. How do you ever get to there if every game writing job you see requires that? Exactly. So um, the best pieces of advice I've gotten and the best pieces of advice that my colleagues are like, yes, do this. Uh, one is make stuff. Um, okay. Write and and tell the stories that you're passionate about. And especially from gaming, like there's a lot of uh, opportunities out there to, you know, m- like make content. There's a, a program called Twine, which is all uh, made to be able to make interactive games that have like branching decision making paths. So like build a Twine game, build a Twine story. Uh, you know, like you can oh. do that. You can partner with friends who are building indie games and just write for things, right? Mm-hmm. Like make content, you know, write in the mediums that excite you, right? Like I 
I didn't set out to be in games. I was like, I'm a playwright, and I wrote a lot of plays. Some of them, you know, got traction and got national national things. And so because of that, eventually I built up a portfolio of interesting work. You know, when I worked at Magic, I wrote stories. And so those things also all contributed to having a strong portfolio and, like, me having the chops and the writing craft to uh, qualify for jobs in, in the field. So, like, make content, make content that you love. Uh, and... Um, the other thing would be like, uh, there's a lot of different ways to uh, connect with and, and meet uh, games writers, uh, and uh, you know I encourage doing that. Twitter uh, is one way. Oh um, really? Yeah. So like you, you know, there's always the, th- the thing that is cool about Twitter that I'm excited about is like there's always conversations uh, about things that you care about. So mm. there's a lot of game writers who are on Twitter who talk about their craft. It's really fun to follow those folks and like hear their thoughts about what they're writing and what they and what they have to say about it. And conversations spring up organically, right? Uh, you can follow people that you like and, and actually talk with them. Uh, there's a lot of different conventions you can go to where you have chances to meet people and to like get to know their work. And I think like this, I think this could be a whole separate podcast, right? Yeah. Where, where I, there's a lot of thoughts on this. But I think if you seek out genuine connections and friendships rather than thinking of it as networking mm. and, like, meaning to build professional, like, connections, uh, if you're just looking for to genuinely meet people, uh, I think you're going to have a lot more success and uh, have the ability to form like genuine friendships and relationships that can help you better understand opportunities and also like when your work matches uh, the a, a company, folks will think of you. Like I've gotten work in theater from just like meeting people and following someone and someone, literally I've gotten work from Twitter and Facebook where people are like, hey, I see you do writing. Uh, we have a position on our blogging for this theater website. Oh. Like would you be interested in like throwing a sample our way, right? And it's like be present, sh- make work, Share your work, be generous, connect with other people, uh, and lift up work that excites you. And like all these things will help you kind of build opportunities uh, for when the right job comes along, uh, getting a chance to interview and be qualified and be ready for it. I, that's all a, a beautiful way of putting that, especially the part about networking, because like having friends in the industry and everything is so essential because that's how you you think of people right and, and like and you know like oh well i've seen their work i know they're good work i know they're easy to work with i know they're smart i know they're blah 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 i know they make deadlines like whatever right. like you you make a good name for yourself and also ideally you want to work with people that you want to work with absolutely so no butt faces yeah so you want to get to know the people that you're you're connecting with yeah <clears throat> and that does and that is much more uh if it's an organic french not necessarily friendship eh, yeah friendship um that it makes it that much easier and as always the keys are do the thing and then keep doing that thing and then work more doing that thing yeah and also giving so. yourself time and permission to be bad at the thing, especially if you're just starting out. Yeah. Um, you know, like the first game you make isn't going to be the masterpiece. The first novel you write isn't going to be, it might be, if you're like William Golding and Lord of the Flies and you wrote it in six weeks because you're an asshole. Uh, <laughs> 
oops, I made a literary classic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll see you in every high school later. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's possible, but like you should. Like I think a lot of times, I know for me, the first play that I wrote, there was so much like anxiety of like, well, it's my play, and it's got and it's got to be good, and yeah. it's got to be this thing. And then I, for, luckily for me, I was in school, and it was like, yeah, maybe all that, but it's also due in two weeks, and I'm like, I just gotta finish it. <laughs> And it was great, and it was it, like I'm actually still very proud of that play. Oh, but like good. reading it, I'm like, oh, it's it's not a play on right now. And like, there's a lot of things I'm like, this is very new playwrighty feels. Uh, but you got to give yourself permission to make the thing, and once you make it, make all the things and keep making it, and you're gonna get better as you do, and you're gonna build a body of work that can show that you can show to others that like proves that you are qualified for a very competitive and challenging field. Like, honestly, it's I'm very fortunate to be where I am. You know, some people did reach out and, like, offer me opportunities that, you know, you know, yes, I interviewed for and, like, had uh, those samples that excited people, mm-hmm. but also those p- connections were very fortunate, right? Or, like, it was a perfect timing of things where I got a chance to work on a thing, right? Um, so... You know, it can be a really tough thing to try to break in, especially when it doesn't feel like you're making a lot of progress. And there's a lot of, with any kind of creative thing, yeah. there's so much self-doubt when that happens. But stick with it, keep making stuff, and, uh, you know, keep sharing it with people. Yeah. Those are great words for anybody pursuing any career. Well, I mean, like for a doctor, please go to school <laughs> um, and get really precise about everything but (laughs) but creatively and ultimately the reason we're doing it is because we like doing it right so we want to continue to do it and the only way we get better at doing anything is repetition and sharing and listening to hopefully good good feedback for those sorts of things that's lovely yeah. Look at you. You're lean now you've got the McConaughey vibe. Like this has way more McConaughey than <laughs> usual. Slounging <laughs> back here, smoking my imaginary cigar. He's it's weird. He's looking off in the distance. He's not even talking to me. It's <laughs> gazing through the wall at the mountain. I would like to ask any funny or interesting stories regarding your time uh gaming, writing or storytelling, world building. Anything that like, oof, I can't believe I did that. Or like, yay. <laughs> One of my favorite funny uh, stories was, um, so I was working at Guild Wars at the time. And uh, I was at a gaming convention. I think it was PAX. And uh, someone was wearing a Guild Wars t-shirt. And it was of the latest expansion. Uh, and it was uh, of, uh, and, and I had only been at Guild Wars. Uh, I was only there for a very short amount of time. So the stuff that I worked on was, you know, very much mm-hmm. time box. There was like a little bit of content I got to write there. And uh, I was like, oh man, cool shirt. And he's like, yeah, love this game. Not so hot about this latest content though. <laughs> anyway, later. And I was like, that's the only stuff I ever did. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like the biggest self-owned oh. inadvertently I'm like sweet shirt let's talk about it oh you don't mm, bah, and you've oh. left and you're gone <laughs> he said the one thing that could hurt me you did it <laughs> yeah it was pretty great I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> no it's awesome <laughs> it made a great story it actually is a really great story <laughs> it doesn't feel good but the laughs are nice <laughs> Yeah, it was just so funny to me. I was like, oh, didn't see that coming. <laughs> he has a shirt. You figured he's excited about the thing? Yeah, he's into it. Yeah. Then who gave him that shirt? <laughs> oh, well, thank you so, so much for, one, taking the time because your visit no, here to Seattle course. is very brief. 
So thanks for coming, hanging out and chatting. Yeah. And thanks for the really great stories and content and all of this stuff. Ichao, your job is so cool. It's a good time. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a lucky duck. Yeah. yeah. And you're, but yeah, yeah, you're a lucky duck who worked really hard. <laughs> so I, what I love about anytime I ask anybody like, what do you recommend for success? It's always like, oh, just do the thing a lot, do it again and more, and then <laughs> do it with other people and then keep doing that thing. Yep. And I love that that's the answer because ideally we're all doing what we love or we're working towards working on that thing that we love. Yeah. And it means you just have to do it. That's all. Yep. Just write. Keep writing. <laughs> Just, Just keep, keep writing. writing. I love it. And now I'd like to invite you to musical arm fart. Wait, that's how I close out my narrative. I love it. Is with um, musical arm farting because I'm okay. a weirdo. So wait, anytime. And... <sighs> Beautiful. <laughs> the best work yet. Thank you, Ichao. Thanks, Sarah. Bye. Bye. Bye.